Welcome to all. I'm Sebastian and today I want to talk about a very important topic, a topic that is very dear to my heart and a topic that I have been reflected upon for many times, upon many times and for a long time. The topic is learning how to be alone. I'm 32 years old now and uh, being alone was never really the biggest issue in my life although i have to say that at one point it was something that was waiting on me quite heavily i remember there was a time when i was um, 22 when i was kind of a crossroad of my life and i didn't know what to do and i had a couple of options uh, i was living in paris france at that time with my family and i had a friend who had already gone to china to shanghai china and i was one of the options was for me to join him there, right? And obviously it was a very attractive uh, destination and a very attractive proposition, option, alternative. Why am I sharing this with you guys? I'm sharing this because I went to China. However, if not for my friend being there already, I don't think I would have had the courage right then to go by myself and I fast forward to about seven years later I'm now in Chiang Mai and um, I have lived the greater part of the last three years alone I mean leave I'm not only saying that I've been alone alone uh, uh, at home alone I spend most of the time alone and I came here alone as well. And by alone, I mean like I barely talk to anybody. I'm just focusing on my training, on the work, and meditating and all this stuff. And I barely have conversations with anybody aside from maybe people like my family at home, when I call them, my friends, etc. And even then, it's still very rare. Now it's different. Now I'm a bit more social because I think I've spent enough time alone and it's okay to socialize, obviously. Not that I was punishing myself, but I think... I heard Naval Ravikant, uh, I think he's an investor on the Joe Rogan post podcast. I know his brother because his brother wrote the wonderful book, Loving Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. I strongly recommend you read this book. So his brother, Naval... His older brother, Naval Ravikant, was on Joe Rogan podcast and he said that learning to be alone is a superpower and I could not agree more because I have found and learned so much of myself being alone. And by being alone, it doesn't mean resenting being with others. But if you resent being alone, that's also a problem, right? So... I think right now, during this COVID situation and the shift in paradigm, because we will probably look back on this time as a, as a time where the shift had occurred, like there, there will be history books talking about the pre-COVID situation and the post-COVID situation. And obviously now we are in the post-COVID situation or in the transition towards post-COVID situation. And I think 
a lot of uh, what I've read and a lot of I've seen is a lot of people had struggle like with the lockdown because they were feeling lonely and left to their own demise. And that encouraged me to talk about this very particular subject of uh, loneliness and solitude because those are two words that are very different. Loneliness and solitude are very different. Yes, it apply it implies being alone, but solitude is appreciating being alone. Loneliness is not appreciating being alone. That's very different. And although I have to say, when it comes to loneliness, you can feel be surrounded by thousands of people and still feel alone. Loneliness has nothing to do with the amount of people you have around you. It's about the relationship you have with yourself first and foremost, and then, of course, the people around you. When I was reading this book by Sebastian Younger. Very, very, very good book. The name of the book is Tribe. And he was talking about how nowadays we might live in modern cities with surrounded by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. But they're all strangers to us. And before, in the bygone age of our history, there were more communities, more tribes. Before the industrial age, we were, there were villages, communities, etc., etc. There might have been perhaps 50, 60 people in this community, in this tribe. However, we all, they, sorry, they all knew each other and everybody had their own particular role. And those tribes were pretty egalitarian. So nobody was, there was no comparing, there was no disparity, not too much of a disparity when it comes to income, when it comes to material goods, when it comes to material gains, etc, etc. And because of this family and family extended type of tribe, everybody was close to one another. And more often than not, Betraying the tribe was con was punishable by death or banishment. I'm not condoning this at all, but that goes a long way to say that how important having this close knit society was at that time. It was crucial because everybody had a role, and if you were to be a weakling and betray this tribe you would betray everybody in that tribe. Therefore, banishment or even death was a logical punishment when it came to that time and those circumstances. Again, I'm not condoning, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's the way it was then. I'm just using this example and this fact to show you how how important were the bonds and how crucial were the bonds between one another in those type of tribes, communities, etc, etc. I remember I was reading this book by Michael Blyla. Uh, is it, what is it? Uh, which one was it? Uh, Outliers, yeah. The first chapter 
in Outliers, or one of the first chapters was the residual effect. I had never heard of the residual effect. Long story short, the Roseto effect, it, there was a small town in Italy called Roseto. And during, I think, the beginning of the 20th century, most of the people in that town emigrated to the U.S. and they created their own community, also called Roseto, in Pennsylvania. And what was interesting about this particular community of Rosettans, Italians, in Pennsylvania is that they suffered less from cardiac, cardiac attacks, heart disease, and sickness in general as opposed compared to all the other communities around the Rosettans. And obviously, people were curious what was so special about this community that made them so healthy. So they looked at their diets, their lifestyle, and the work. And they seen that the, the, the well-being and the, the lack of stress and um, health had nothing to do with diet, work, and lifestyle. Because more, a lot of the men, because the cardiac attack concerned more men than women, are more susceptible, men are more susceptible to cardiac attacks. So they were studying the men and their lifestyle and what they were doing in work, etc. They noticed that men were working in quarries, they were suffering with the dust, the stones, etc. So their, their work environment was not the healthiest at all. They checked the diet. The diet, it was typical Mediterranean Italian diet, which was full of grease, full of lard, full of fat, and it was not what you would call, what we would call something healthy. And they were smoking, and they were not necessarily exercising any more than other communities, probably even less. But what they've noticed, however, is that that community was very egalitarian. So people would not uh, there was nobody on welfare. People were very had that solidarity about their community, and people were all helping each other. And they always had events, including the whole village, the whole community, and also they had close, tight knit bonds between one another, as the bonds that other people from back in the days had in those closed knit tribes. They had kept the same lifestyle of old Europe and they brought it to Pennsylvania in the USA. And that was the reason why they had such good health. And I was flabbergasted. I was blown away when I read this because for me, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do, I exercise. I consider myself pretty healthy and leading a pretty good lifestyle. And to see that health is more so to do with community and, and bond that you have with others was astonishing. Everybody in those type of communities felt that they belonged and there was no disparity that was so 
preposterous that people were jealous of one another. And what happened after this is over the years, 20, 30 years after that, the place was gentrified. It went through a process of gentrification and they slowly but surely transitioned into a more American way of life, so to speak, lifestyle. And the cardiac disease, the heart diseases and the stress level, etc. were beginning to parallel those of the other communities around. So that's the Rosetto effect. And obviously, I'm not here to say that we, that capitalism is bad, that modern society is bad, blah, blah, blah. For better or worse, we are now here. However, I think, I do think, and I, I, I'm sorry to digress, but I think that we as a society, we should perhaps maybe tend to go back towards this kind of community-based lifestyle where it's more equal, egalitarian instead of trying to live in all those big cities alone, feeling lonely, even though we're surrounded by millions of people. Nowadays, in the modern societies, we, don't, we barely know our neighbors, which is normal for us because that's how we live now. But there was a time where our neighbors were our family or our extended family. That is not necessarily the case anymore. So maybe we should go back to this kind of lifestyle, which makes sense because it seems like the healthiest way to live a life. That being said, I'm not even tending to go towards this lifestyle. I'm alone here. My family is back in France. My friends are all over the world. So I'm pretty much alone here. I have no real close friends here. I'm okay with it. That's the lifestyle I choose. That's the life I choose for the moment. I'm very happy this way at the moment. But I think that, yes, we do should, should, should go towards this kind of society in the future, hopefully. But for now, in the meantime, I think we all need to learn how to be alone. In the movie Meet Joe Black with Brad Pitt and Claire Forlani and Anthony Hopkins, Okay, for those of you who haven't watched the movie, I'm going to spoil you a bit, so please fast forward to the next part of the video because I'm going to give you some of the scenes away. So Brad Pitt, for those, who have, for those of you who have watched the movie, Brad Pitt is death incarnated in the movie. He is the incarnation of death. Death took Brad Pitt's body. And Brad Pitt, death, falls in love with Claire Forlani, the daughter of Anthony Hopkins in the movie. She happens to be a doctor in this good hospital in, I think, New York. And Brad Pitt, obviously, being a death incarnated, had nothing much to do but to fall in love, right? So he went to visit her at the hospital every now and then. And the first time, he happened to visit her in the hospital. He saw this elderly Jamaican woman who had some sort of psychic ability. And as soon as she saw Brad Pitt, Beth, she knew that he was Beth. Not necessarily very specific, but she knew that he was something else. He was not worldly. He was not of this world. 
and he started Brad Pitt, sorry, started developing kind of a relationship with this older Jamaican woman. First of all, he reassured her that he was not here to take her. Even though she was old enough and suffered enough, she wanted to go. But Brad Pitt told her it was not her time. Fast forward to 20 minutes later in the movie. He happens to go again. Brad Pitt happens to go again to the hospital. And he went to see the Jamaican woman because Claire Forlani was busy. And the elderly Jamaican woman asked Brad Pitt, Why are you here? And he said that he was here because he felt lonely. He doing his job as death was so lonely. And the elder Jamaican woman is told him that that he should not be fooled. That we might have moments here when we are surrounded with people, with family, with loved ones. But we here too are pretty much alone. And I remember this like it was yesterday because it's resonated with me because it's so true. You know, as they say, we born alone. Although I have a twin, so I was not really born alone. But most of us are born alone and we die alone. And even like for me, I have a twin, so I was born with my brother at the same time. But we still want consciousness, right? We still, with us, there's no, even if we have someone, a girlfriend or boyfriend that is always with us, we're still alone in ourselves. And we die the same way. And nobody can fully grasp the full being and the full essence of ours, even ourselves, during a lifetime. And it is true that we spend most of the time with ourselves, whether we're surrounded with people, whether there's a thousand people, whether we're intimate with someone, whether we were a friend, a loved ones, most of the time we're still alone. It is what it is. And why I'm saying this, I'm not saying this to make you depressed. I'm not saying this so you shut off this video and go listen to Akon Lonely Song over and over again on a loop. I'm just saying because it is the reality of things and we should appreciate our time alone. As Naval, sorry, as Naval Ravikant said, being alone, the ability to be alone is a superpower if you can have it, if you can hone it, if you can develop it in and of itself. And I've really noticed this over the years that I do not resent people, but I do not resent myself. And generally speaking, people who are not able to be alone are generally people who are scared of themselves, are scared of what they might encounter if they were to be alone. I remember I was going to my friend's house and he had a particular roommate and I, his particular roommate so happened to show me something in his room and the TV was on even though he was not in the room because before that he was with me and my friend in the living room. And I asked him, like, why do you need the TV to be on when you're not there? And he told me something. And it was kind of funny. I don't remember exactly what happened and what he said. But it was something along the lines, like, I, I cannot stand the silence, right? 
And this is not the first time I had heard this. A lot of people just cannot stand to be at home and have a complete silent room, let alone apartment. Because the silence is threatening to their being alone, right? So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that loneliness is nothing more, nothing less than having a problem and a lack of self-love. For if you had that self-love, even to a very minimum, being alone would not be a problem. One time I was talking to a friend on the phone and he and his girlfriend had broken off so many times, broken up so many times. And I was friends with his girlfriend at the time too. And they had broken up one time, two times, three times, four times, like a countless time. And one time they had, he broke up with her. And I thought this one was the one time that they will not get back together. But they did. They got back together. And I talked on the phone with him. And I asked him, why did you get back with her? I pretty much knew the answer already, but I was just wanting to verify if he were, to be honest. This particular friend was known to be <laughs> a fan of telling lies. But at that time, he was pretty honest. And he told me directly, to be honest, Sebastian, I was lonely. And I appreciated the answer because it was true. But how many of us happen to be with someone or have the kind of friends of entourage, people around us that we tolerate just because we are settling, because we'd rather be with lesser quality, lesser quality, because we fear being alone. And, and by lesser quality, I don't mean that I'm not comparing people against another. I'm just saying that sometimes you find yourself in a relationship that you have no business being in, but you tolerate this person, you settle for this person because you're not willing to stay alone with yourself. How many people are in a relationship? How many people are in a relationship where this applies? A lot of them, I guess. And there's nothing wrong to be in a relationship because you don't want to be alone. But if you choose someone over being alone, that's a problem because that's not something that will get better over time because you can just go from one person to another. We all know those people who break up and the next day they're with someone else. They just cannot stand it. I, for one, have a hard time relating because I, I'm right now here and I'm not saying this to show off or to boast or gloat. I'm just saying that it's, it is sad. And I think we should all learn, and obviously I'm a huge advocate, this channel is about meditation amongst other subjects, but I think we should definitely cultivate the self-love. And by cultivating self-love, we should meditate, we should spend time with ourselves, and learn to be alone, learn to deal with the silence outside and inside, and learn to accept ourselves. Because a lot of things that we don't want to see when we're alone is the bad things, the unwholesome traumas and the past and the present and the futures and the worries and the doubts and the fears and the frustrations etc etc the things we don't wanna we do not want to face head on and heart on but i think with time and with practice with meditation till meditation is a great tool 
we can learn how to recharge our battery as I said in my previous video and appreciate our time alone and just be able to be quiet and to be joyful and at peace and have clarity even with ourselves. And generally what happens is that when we are alone and we spend more time alone, we appreciate it more when we are with people we care about. And we appreciate the people more because we get a more of an understanding of who we are and that we are not perfect and people are not perfect, but we all trying our best. So when you are alone now, Look at things head on and hard on. Do not judge. Be happy. Encourage the good in you. And let go of the bad. We all have shitty things in ourselves. We all have thoughts that are that we are ashamed of, you know, desires that we are ashamed of, things we are ashamed of, things of our past that we are ashamed of, fears of the future we are ashamed of, doubts. We don't feel so confident when we are alone because we face ourselves. But it's okay, confidence and self-love is not about being the best or walking, walking tall. It's just about accepting and embracing ourselves unconditionally. And unconditionally doesn't mean you're complacent and you think that you cannot change or you think you, you are going to settle for what you are. No, it means that you cultivate the good in you, you encourage the good in you, you see the good in you and you encourage it. And when it comes to the not so good, the unwholesome, the negative, just acknowledge it and be kind to it. Let go. Don't repress. Don't suppress. Don't be depressed. That was not for the rhyme, but I did it in any way. Just let go. Let go and surrender it and encourage the good. And you will see over time, being alone will definitely seem to you as a superpower, like it is for me. Because I really do think it's a superpower. And you'll see, having a relationship with oneself is an amazing thing, if not the best thing you can do in life. I think I will end this video now. I didn't expect to talk so much. Thank you so much for listening till the end. If you want more information, whether you're on podcast or YouTube or Instagram, you can find my information mostly on YouTube in the description box below. Coaching, uh, books, uh, what else my second youtube channel and my private facebook group thank you so much and i'll see you very soon